Hi there, and welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am joined, as always, by uh, Games Boss at Giant Space Capriano. How you doing, Bree? I I feel pretty good today, Steve. It's just this whole podcast feels less filled with evil than usual. I, <laughs> I know. Just, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. Do Do you know, Micah? I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to feel it out. I yeah, there's like a different aura today. You know, there's not so much uh, dark clouds over the isometric land. Yeah, I noticed before we started the thing, like all the cross, you know, the crosses in my house didn't turn upside down today. So <laughs> I, I feel like we're kind of bathed in like a warm light. I don't know yeah. if you feel that too. Just yeah, kind of yeah. like I don't feel like the I don't feel the ominous aura of murder around me like i normally do when we do the show yeah yeah i I feel safe i guess i guess i should just introduce everybody else and then we'll figure out if there's anything different so we're also joined by uh senior editor at newsy micah sarge how you doing micah i'm i'm doing all right uh feeling feeling good today yeah there's uh you know the pandas are smiling on us (laughs) and the koalas are uh cowering in fear and it's, it's a good day wait where's georgia where's georgia oh maybe that's what's different Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe the fact that I just invited her because of the Wii News. Yeah. Maybe that's, yeah. Oh, oh huh. so she wasn't finally arrested? So that wasn't it? No, 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 okay. no, no. I told her, you know, for our 100th episode, you know, you know, we've already had George's Reckoning as a title. So I'm going to call Isometric 100 George's Judgment Day. And that's what's going to happen. Because, you know, with the Wii U being dead, she's clearly responsible She's for responsible. That. Yeah, yeah she has yeah. to be held to uh held to you know we, we gotta we gotta ask her questions and we need to find answers because this yeah, is yeah. her fault i agree yeah. with that I, I mean i'm pretty sure that your exact words were go get a wii u now and don't come back until we have a picture with you with today's <laughs> newspaper and a wii u set up with a nintendo network id because it's not just enough to just you know buy the box and then return it to best buy which is something that she would totally do Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, she would need to open it up and tie it to an account because, you know, once you do that, like Nintendo doesn't let you doesn't let you leave. You know, that's right, when right. they that's when they put I you agree. in their database of, you know, confirmed felons. Yeah. So exactly. I uh, will tell you. So the podcast feud with uh, with Yasmin has to continue. And I just want to tell you, like, oh, Yasmin, Yasmin. Oh, she's trying to sell those material uh, T-shirts. And I, I just want to tell you. Don't buy that. Go buy an isometric T-shirt instead. That's a good idea. I will say, you know, she she got Simone. She she was able to steal Simone away from you. So the, your loyalties are are crumbling because of Yasmin. So she might actually be a worse force than uh, even Georgia Dow. That's hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well, it's a tough tough bet. I mean, I mean, no. Simone's more of like a poisoner with her affinity for you know food that that's been in trash cans. So I think that Simone's more like pestilence and, you know, Georgia, if we're talking about Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which obviously we are right now, would be more like war, I think. Yeah. So who would be famine? Hmm. I think that's clearly, uh, you know, Mike Hurley. Very yeah. clearly, and also Stephen Hackett. Like they're yeah. very both bad, bad people. Yeah, <laughs> they both they both are famine. Together, together they make with their powers combined, they right, make famine. Right. Uh, we should talk about video games. We we should. I, I just want to point out though that before we get off the feud topic, that they did material podcast did actually send us a uh, an olive branch on Twitter the other day. Asking if really? we could join forces like the Power Rangers. So I don't know who they want to join forces against, but 
I, I I can only see this as a ruse and subterfuge more than anything. There yeah. will be no, no, no. The feud will continue. It will continue. It's the only way. There's no way that I can trust them uh, as far as I can throw them, which is not at all. And so, uh, yeah, I just, uh, there's no way. No, material is forever our sworn mortal enemy. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should talk about video games and we can reference what we were what we were talking about with Georgia is that Georgia's officially killed the Wii U because there was a rumor yeah. this week that they have uh, they had stopped production on the on new units that are going to be manufactured from their supply chain. And Nintendo has uh, denied that they've stopped it immediately, but they've said that they're going to be continuing at least through the end of this year, which is oh. not really a super surprise given that they're coming out with the NX and it doesn't really make sense for them to be continuing to to manufacture the Wii U longer than it really needs to be. Uh, but so we're basically p- pinning this all on Georgia because if Georgia had only bought yeah. that Wii U, then we would still be having Wii U's in manufacture today. Obviously, that's the only explanation. Yeah, yeah we'd yeah. be in a totally different place now if if Georgia hadn't <laughs> just caused the destruction of of the, of the Wii U. Yeah, it's it's a sad day, and and you know, I don't think that the the Wii U will rise again. I I, I sent out a fantastic poll this week of people, and you know, like what we wanted to know is from isometric listeners, like is Georgia responsible for the death of the Wii U, or very very responsible <laughs> for the death of the Wii U. So only 16% of isometric listeners felt that Georgia was very responsible, and an overwhelming 84% of listeners wow. felt she was very, very responsible. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's some serious stuff, Georgia. You've got some soul-searching to do. I mean, it, and it goes along with last week now that all those yeah. people who were wrong about, you know, someone being arrested for criminal activity, obviously Georgia has murdered the Wii U and she'll be held to justice. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree yeah. with that. So let's talk about why it failed. I mean, why do you think it failed, Steve? There's a lot of reasons. I think that they messed up on marketing it when it first came out, and they, they kind of missed on their launch. Um, just the, the name Wii U, I think, confused enough people that thought that it was uh, some sort of an attachment for the Wii, because at this time they were still targeting the casual audience that isn't necessarily as tied into this as the you know the gaming consumers may have been in the past and you know the people who are going to be buying a console it was still like a year away from the playstation 4 and the xbox one which were going to be significantly more powerful and we're going to keep being able to play you know the kinds of the kinds of games that you one wants to play on a console typically so it was really being marketed just for nintendo fans that were going to be the ones that were going to jump onto this and yeah. also by limiting the uh, limiting the specs and and limiting it to an older architecture, it limited both the kinds of games that could be made, and also it it limited what they could do with things going forward. Like split screen multiplayer on the on the the console is really difficult. Both in something like you see it with with a reduced frame rate in uh, Hyrule Warriors, when you're trying to play like multiplayer with the gamepad and with uh, and, and on the screen, and also in something like uh, Fast Racing Neo, which is kind of like a F Zero alike that came out a couple months ago. Even just playing split screen on the same screen is really difficult. You know that I think there's a lot of reasons, but they just kind of learned kind of the wrong lessons from their, their last couple releases, and that 
that really kind of hurt it coming out. And then once the new generation started, there was less of a reason unless you were really bought into something like Splatoon or Super Mario Maker or I mean, there are a lot of great games for it, but you had to really want one of those games. And there weren't really enough of them to push enough people like Georgia over the edge to actually make the purchase. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think um, you have any responsibility? Do you think if you had bought more amiibos, like Nintendo would be financially <laughs> solvent today? Because I feel like I feel like it's I feel like it's partially George's fault. And but I think you you're like the person driving the car when there's a, a like bank robbery. And I just think you need some accountability for that, Steve. I, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've done my part and then some with the amiibos, uh, unfortunately. So I don't think that I could have done more i think that what i could have done more is convinced all of you to buy more amiibos for the cause mm-hmm. and i think that <laughs> you weren't you i think weren't a good that i really I've, I've not let them down in a personal in a personal purchase role but i've let them down in more of a propaganda role ah got it micah how many uh amiibos do you have did you did you buy a lot of them i don't believe in amiibo yeah that's right <laughs> so here's the deal. I understand yeah. those things from a collector's point of view, yeah. but the whole idea, like my, my brain just cannot wrap around. Um, I buy this thing to get more functionality in a game because when I touch it to the touchpad, then it adds like a th- whenever I, I, I like, it's just that could be in the game and you could pay for it there for, for much less than you also paying for like the extra money that goes toward making the plastic toy or whatever. So I, just my my wallet does not reckon uh does not uh reconcile uh that however like i said i understand it from a a collector's point of view but and as far as my thoughts on the wii u's uh collapse and downfall of course other than uh our dearly departed friend georgia dow um i think uh, so i can remember um you know, for many, many years being super happy and and having so much fun with the Wii. Um, I was blessed to be one of those uh, kids who got to open up the Wii on Christmas Day, like the first year it was launched. Um, my my dad like waited in line the night before and was, you know, number 10 or whatever. And we were able to get a Wii on, on uh, Christmas Day. Super exciting. We were all very happy and just loved the heck out of that thing. Played so many games. I can remember playing Animal Crossing on it and the Dreamcast, the GameCube, the Nintendo 64, the Wii were all just like, I just remember them all so fondly and having so much fun playing them other than when I played Zelda and my little brother ruined my life. Aww. But um, <laughs> uh, but I, I really, I think that it's a fantastic, uh, or the Wii was a fantastic uh, console. And so the Wii U came out and I thought, okay, I want to get the Wii U because I want to have the fun that I've had on Nintendo in the past. And we got the Wii U and i played splatoon for a while and it was it was fun and i you know tried playing some of the older games on it and it was kind of difficult and it just has started collecting dust in my uh entertainment stand um and one of the main things i think is like 
So the Wii was part of its success was how because Nintendo couldn't quite compete with the Xboxes and the PlayStation 2s and th- or whatever it was at the time, uh, they decided to kind of like go in a different direction. And they were like, OK, people carry around these remotes all the time uh, or not carry them around, but use them for the TV and stuff like that. So maybe we should try looking into that. And the cool motion control and all that kind of stuff was was awesome. And, and everybody really liked that. And that's how it set them apart. But instead of kind of like. I don't know, path correcting and coming back toward console gaming and competing, they took it another step in the opposite direction and ended up in the Gamma Quadrant whenever they decided to release this um, gamepad. And like Shane and I, whenever we do play the the Wii U, um, my, my, for my boyfriend and I, whenever we try to play, end up like fighting over who gets to not use the gamepad because we both just wow. hate it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's like where's the where's the uh pro controller because i'm not using that stupid gamepad and like for Shane, it's too difficult for him to even use the the motion control stuff where you can like the the camera moves according to the internal accelerometer or whatever. It's awful in 3ds too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's I mean those are the main reasons why I did not get the the happiness and like the warmth that I got from past N- Nintendo controllers when I uh, got the Wii U. So it's just collecting dust because it's more of a problem and a burden than it is a fun uh, system, and it does not remind me of the Nintendo that I love. Well, I think I would say this, um, you know, and, and we should move on, but um, you know. If Nintendo wants to be competitive with their next console, I think it's really, really critical that they move to an x86 architecture because the problem, I think, with the Wii U is just the games. They don't really exist. Uh, you know, Generally speaking, Nintendo is always heavily dependent on first-party games to kind of make the case for the console, but I think they really struggled this time um, coming up with that. So, you know, I realize they're not going to be able to bring, um, you know, like Call of Duty or games like that over to it, but there's this vast middle universe of, you know, games like um, Towerfall. I don't know if that's on Wii U, but that's a game that I know for a sec- of fact it's on, you know, x86 architecture. And that would make it much easier to bring over. And I think that, like, getting that kind of indie software PSN style, um, you know, games able to run on it, I think that's really, really key. So, um, you know, I hope Nintendo will learn the right lessons here. What I'm worried about, Steve, and you know, this is with all respect to you, but I think sometimes Nintendo plays really hard for this um, kind of inculcated, brainwashed, like <laughs> ultra Nintendo fan kind of people, like people that will go buy a hundred amiibos. And you know, I think that's certainly good for exploiting people, but it's not good for <laughs> it's not good for like you know making a mainstream console success. And you, know, you can't say it often enough. Nintendo's competition is not the PS4; it's the iPhone. So. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. Nintendo is good. Nintendo is great. We surrender our will as of this date. But well, well, uh, <laughs> you would, you would. I, I want to say one more thing. Uh, next week is Isometric 100, and <gasps> after that, we're going to be moving to a new podcast. Don't worry, no one's going anywhere. Even Georgia. <laughs> Even Georgia, Micah, you are not allowed to leave. It's just okay. a very, very slight uh, programming change. We're still going to discuss video games. But uh, for Isometric 100, which will be our last show, um, we are going to have a GoFundMe set up. So if 30 people will put in $10 uh, for uh, Georgia, then she can get a Wii U and we can give her that gift as a, you know, kind of a gift 
to close out isometric and then we will um we'll figure out a way to like stream us all playing splatoon together and we'll make that happen so and yes. then we'll send that out to our listeners Oh, that would that'd be awesome, especially because we'd all be able to destroy Georgia with all of our, like, year of prior experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it should be us versus Georgia. That, that will that seriously sounds, yeah. be the Georgia Dow uh, Day of Reckoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Reck- I agree Re- Reckoning in a pool of blood-colored paint. That'll be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I that love sounds, it. That sounds um, we'll paint pandas all so, over her dead but, body. Yeah. But Brie, you had a tweet when this when this news first came out that I thought we could talk about for a couple minutes because you sure. were talking about the other systems that had kind of ended before its time, and you had Wii U number two on that list, and I believe you had number one was the Dreamcast, which I, yeah. I think we've what we've we kind of talked around the Dreamcast a little bit, but I think we all have really fond memories of that system mm-hmm. too. Is kind of a last gasp type of thing from Sega before and obviously they got out of the console business right after that. And I think it it seems a lot like the Wii U in the last couple of years where they they realized that nobody was coming to help them. There really wasn't going to be any significant third party support other than like Capcom which brought like every fighting game ever over to it. Uh, and they just decided that screw it, we're just going to make games that are weird and fun and hope that people buy it. And it didn't work out, but we got some of like the best games of that generation out of that system as a result of them them doing that. It was uh, it was really a system ahead of its time. Like yeah. the really big uh, title for the Dreamcast was Fantasy Star Online, which was a game you could play with all of your friends and even battle against them. Uh, you know, so you know, basically, it was the the precursor to things like Xbox Live. Um, Micah, you were only a zygote when <laughs> um, the Dreamcast came out in nine nine ninety nine. Is that correct? Were you even? Yes, I was born when the Dreamcast came out. Um, I. I, I think I was I was mostly playing it though at the end of its life. Um, oh, really? Yeah. My my favorite game was Sonic Adventure. I remember I playing Sonic Adventure with my little brother all the time, just for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, just constantly playing that. And game. it doesn't so much hold fun. up when you replay it. Yeah. It's terrible. Were the hours and hours and hours of you playing that just wandering around a like a city square looking for the next level to play? Because that's my only memory of that game. Honestly, I just remember fondness about it. I, I loved that game. And, and Sonic Adventure 2 was fun as well. And um, I we had like a faulty... What's the little thing that slid into the top of the... Oh, the, the VMU? Yeah, the VMU. We had a faulty VMU. And I always wanted to put my little... Um, egg thingy into the the vmu and for some reason hours would never work and i can remember spending like staying up all night researching how to fix it and trying a bunch of different ways to to make it work and it, it never did i was sad that was one of the things about the dreamcast that was also ahead of its time is that it had the memory cards back in the days when you had memory cards had like an lcd screen that you could take out and it had a little d-padded two buttons on it and theoretically, you could play little mini games. I think there was like one that had a Tamagotchi style game or something like that on mm-hmm. it. But again, much like the the Wii U's gamepad, there were very few games that actually supported it other than just like showing the logo of the game on the screen while you were playing. So they had a lot of really good ideas. I mean, again, the online also was like the first you had to you had to pay a fortune and you had to use dial up but i think that uh like you had games like uh oh what was it choo choo rocket also which was 
a really interesting puzzle, multiplayer puzzle game that was really completely out of nowhere that was a lot of fun that you could play with multiple people too. And some of the games that that still hold up today, like like Crazy Taxi and um, the Shenmue games originated there, Res originated ah, there. Um, Jet Grind How Radio. How dare you not be mentioning Space Channel 5? I, like, I have a... Space Channel 5 <laughs> is one of the greatest games ever made. I took a breath. In my career goal. No, <laughs> no, no. It comes first. Yeah. Space Channel 5 <laughs> is the most important game of the Dreamcast era. It really look, yeah. it is impossible to overstate how much that game affected me. If you oh, look yeah, at absolutely. the art style of Rev 60, yeah. you can see it's clearly derived from Space Channel 5. If you look at my name on um, on Twitter, it's Space Cat Gal. You know, Space Cat is to- that's the first line of Space Channel 5. Giant Space Cat, Space Channel 5. Oh, I wow. love that game. I love that game. And one of my career goals is eventually to do Space Channel 5 Part 3. Um, uh, which I would love to release for iPhone. That's one of my long-term career goals. I would do anything to do that. So, yeah, no, yeah. so it was a really great system, very yeah. far ahead of its time. Yeah, and, and and I mean, a lot of those games are starting to come back now. I mean, you know, we're, we have Shenmue 3 coming out. We have, hopefully, Space Channel 5-3 coming out no, eventually. No, no, from what I'm hearing at Sega, it's DOA right now. So it's very notable for games like um, Sonic Racers, um, you know, they didn't bring in the original uh, voice actress, who, by the way, has a really interesting history uh, to re-record lines. They just um, you know, cut stuff out of um, you know, Space Channel 5 Part 1 and Part 2. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lives in Connecticut, and I'm actually in Connecticut today uh, where she teaches dance. To talk dance. to her. So I'm going to just, like, go – I'm going to look her name up, and then I'm going to, you know, like, knock on her door today. Like, Happy <laughs> Easter. <laughs> Brianna is gonna hear say some stuff into this mic. It's gonna be oh great. My gosh, can can you just can you just do like get her to do the voices and just do like base channel four or something like that and just you know <laughs> you know just just like tweak the outfits a little bit and just kind of do it yeah. and, and hope that Sega's too busy trying to make trying to make bad Sonic clones for iPhone to uh yeah. to notice that, to notice that or that maybe comes if you out. put giant in front of it so giant space channel three. <laughs> Yeah, it's my original character I came out up with on my own without any outside influence named Bulala or <laughs> Space Space Channel yeah. five 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 oh five s yeah five s e yeah it's 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 completely original look forward to that hey frank you work in law is that gonna be soon hey wait what what what's gonna get you frank says it's not gonna get me soon we're good to go what uh all right great oh i love frank brie did you ever play the power stone games uh, yeah, I think it's really overrated. I don't understand why it gets so much love, but that's just me. So. Yeah. No, I just, I'm just asking because I noticed that they basically took Power Stone and put it into Disney Infinity like in the last couple yeah. of weeks. And so it's, yeah. it's just funny that a lot of those old, old ideas that were there, you know, years ago are just still, are still just now coming back around and coming into modern games and, and getting resurrected that way. It's, it's amazing yeah. just how many, how many influential games there were, even if they took like 15 years to come around to be influential again. Uh, also loved playing Rayman on, Oh, Rayman two uh, on the dreamcast. Uh, yeah. So oh, Rayman two was so good. Uh, they, that was one of the, that was one of the best, uh, the best platformers of that, of that generation that wasn't made by Nintendo, I think was, was Rayman two. Yes. Yeah. And then Marvel versus Capcom two, obviously. 
I would so, love, by the way, I um, just put Marvel versus Capcom on my PS3 to play it some more because the last time I was at Disney, I was just kicking so much butt at Strangers <laughs> at Disney Quest. So we got to play that sometime, Steve. We definitely I, do. I think, it is, I think it is either on my Xbox or my PlayStation. I have to figure out which one it's on, but I, I can practice and then not, or, or maybe it's more fun if I don't practice. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's more fun for me. Well, fun um, for whom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when we yeah. have our housewarming party, you can uh, you can come get your butt kicked. Back, yeah, so. I, I will. Yeah. I will look forward to that. I will. I will prepare my butt in uh, in time for that. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So so uh, so, how is the division, Bree? It's really, really good. Um, I think so far this year, it's definitely my game of the year. Um, though I think, um, you know, uh, Fire Emblem, which I've been playing a lot of, I think that's a close second. But Oh, really? You like that now? Yeah, yeah, I got into it. It, awesome. it took me a while. Um, but I have to say, I think that, um, yeah, I've, I've probably put 30 hours into Fire Emblem at this point. Oh, wow. It helps that I'm on the road and it's all yeah. I can play. That's a, that's, <laughs> so, a good, that's a good airplane game, yeah. It really is, uh, if I can remember to yeah. charge my 3DS. But you know, Division, <laughs> uh, Division is really solid. It um, has a really lovingly um, recreated uh, version of New York. Um, I say this after a lot of thought. I think it's one of the best-looking um, games I've ever seen, ever. I mm. really struggle to think of anything that looks better. Like, the recreation of New York is just technically stunning. I'm playing it on PS4, and it's just it's breathtaking. Like, the amount of texture work in detail in every level um i just it's i would love to talk to those level designers at gdc sometime the um the gameplay is pretty much gears of war so um i don't know if you like destiny it's basically a destiny in a tom clancy universe um and i have to say this too it's really strange i think to think of a tom clancy game as kind of excelling at you know kind of including other people but like you know the main character is a woman of color the women characters that you can create like they're not sexualized like it is a is a game that looks like reality and um i don't know i think it's really really good i can very strongly recommend it it's gorgeous looking wow yeah wow yeah you should you should uh play that with me sometime micah that would be fun yeah, it would. And oh, man, <laughs> I'm just like looking at all of these still shots of the game, just kind of right? drooling a little bit. It's so good looking. I mean, it's uh, the science of it is a little hokey, but, um, you know, I find the story very credible. And, you know, Frank has a Ph.D. in bacterial genetics. So every time there's a part of the science that you get, I'll bring him over. I'll be like, hey, Frank, is this plausible? Is this realistic? And he's like, yep. So cool. Yeah. So can you can you explain a little bit how the multiplayer works? Because I was trying to watch a video of this um, from Polygon this week, and yeah. there's something called the Dark Zone that I've I've seen a lot of yep. articles trying to talk about talking about how they're rebalancing and stuff like that. And it seems like there's this unusual mechanic where like a player goes rogue and then they get hunted down mm-hmm. by other players or, or something like that. Like, can you explain like what that is? Because I was trying it. It seems like it's a really interesting take on multiplayer, but it's hard to understand what exactly is going on in there. 
Yeah, so I haven't done Dark Zone yet, um, though I certainly will, but I can tell you how it works. So um, The Division is an MMO kind of world where, like, as you're walking around, you just see other people in that world constantly, like at safe houses and stuff. So um, when you go to certain missions, uh, you can join up with other players and do them cooperatively, um, which is a lot of fun. I really, really, really enjoy that. The Dark Zone is kind of these three, I think it's three areas in the middle of the city and it's where all the best gear and loot is and you kind of play from one end of it to the other and as you get to the other side of the dark zone um you can like kill and betray other people and get all of their loot and at that moment like other people in dark zone are alerted that you're a traitor and everyone comes after you so it's very much this risk reward kind of situation which i think is very interesting yeah, that's that's a very different take on it because normally it's either just deathmatch or capture the flag or something like that, yep. and it's that's interesting how they manage to find a different way to integrate uh, like multiplayer into a, more of an open world game without taking it into like something like the Crucible and Destiny where you have to go into a completely different like mode in order to get to it. it so it's you just kind of like walk in there and then you're. You're there, and yeah. then that's that. Yeah. It just changes when you're there. That's pretty cool. Well, actually. you have to get up to a certain level to be able to access it because the game locks you out of other content by saying, "Oh, your virus level isn't high enough. Like you'll be susceptible to this at this point." Um, but I have to say, um, one of the real weaknesses of this game is if I'm playing Destiny, um, and like I get a really awesome uh, rifle, like Hard Light. Um, that is a game that is a gun that shoots very, very differently than say like just a normal auto rifle. Like it has a different sound. It has a superior gameplay mechanics. You just have to learn how to do it differently. If I get an MP5 at the beginning of the game and I get one later in the game, like 30 levels in, the only difference in it is the numbers that come above the head of the, the character that you're shooting. So it doesn't like all the games really feel the same. Like you can mod it out with, um, mods to like, control recoil a little bit or put a scope on it but it's very very superficial overall yeah it sounds like more like diablo loot than anything else than yeah yeah yep Which, yep yeah and not everything can be everything in a game like that it sounds like it's a huge undertaking just to make a level of that you know a world of that size and have yeah and it sounds like i mean other than some kind of funny issues that they had at launch where there was like i guess there was a mission that you had to start with where except only one person could be talking to the mission giver at a time. So there was like this line waiting simulator at the first day of launch. But I mean, other than that, it sounds like they've cleared a lot of that stuff up really quickly, uh, unlike some of their other recent launches that have revolved around around online multiplayer. So it sounds like they're Absolutely. finally starting to learn some lessons from the last the last couple of, yeah. of, of launches. Micah, you have anything else you want to you want to ask about it or when, when no. are you when are you when are you uh, when are you buying your copy? <laughs> I don't know. Soon, soon. Uh, no, I was actually reading the the plot um, just to try and get a, a better understanding because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so beautiful. I need to know more. Uh, and that is that's a fascinating idea. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know or haven't checked it out yet, basically, there is a smallpox uh, virus that's been 
planted on banknotes and they they like it's put there on Black Friday. So it's uh, going throughout, you know, all of New York City and it's called the Green Poison and the Dollar Flu. Uh, and so it's about the Strategic Homeland Division, the division um, uh, officer trying to, uh, you know, kind of put things back in order. So this is yeah, this is a I, I like the, the premise of this game because it's not like zombie plague number seven. I, I am starting to get really tired of zombie plague number one through 57 so this is a this is cool (laughs) well i want to say one more thing on this very quickly like this is a game that had a lot of um racial criticism when it came out um because you know i mean i think i don't know how you feel micah but when we get these videos and the media is like shaming people for getting out there on black friday and like you know having fist fights to get deals Mm -hmm. i don't think people stop and think well so many people are poor that this is their only chance to get like, you know, some of this stuff. Like for Frank and I, mm-hmm. when we moved into our current house, we waited for Black Friday and went and got a bunch of air conditioners and refrigerators for a fraction of what they were really worth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I have to say, I read all that criticism and I think it's really unfair. Like there is a, uh, it, it, it doesn't do any of those things particularly worse than any other game in the industry. And like, I've read stuff saying like, Oh, this game fails because it's so violent or whatever. And I just have to say, if you're playing a Tom Clancy game, like I think you've got to understand, like they're not going to be playing tic-tac-toe, you know? (laughs) I always feel like this criticism is really off because the, the goal, or at least my goal has never been to, like, stamp out games like Dead or Alive and, you know, like, obliterate all sexuality and all violence from games. I think that's a horrible objective, and I strongly do not support that. What I do support is us as an industry, like being a lot more innovative and coming up with different gameplay types because we're just stuck. Mm-hmm. But I, I've read a lot of the criticism in this game, and I just flat out don't think it's fair. I mean, this to me seems like uh, this This would, uh, you know, a, a smallpox pandemic and people basically fighting to survive is going to lead to some violence and like a lot of violence. I mean, we've seen it even whenever, you know, there isn't uh, some scary pandemic that's taking over an entire city. Whenever there are small disasters, looting ends up happening. Uh, people are, you know, fighting for for, you know, food, supplies, all that kind of thing. It's it's human nature. And so to say we can't show this in games because it's violent well like humans uh, can get violent sometimes and so i i i think that that seems off base personally based on like just the way that humans uh can end up getting in in, in situations like this uh right i don't know right. I, I i and what i like about it too is like the different um the different groups of of criminal uh, of criminals like the the rioters that are just the typical um, you know if you have like gangs in New York um, right. and then the Rikers who escaped from Rikers Island and <laughs> apparently there's like sanitation workers that think everybody is infected but no, like, they're not actual sanitation workers that's just oh. a, a, a yeah that's what they call themselves gotcha uh, and so to me I don't know um, I think that if I were uh, part of a mob or part of a uh, criminal gang or something like that I would probably take advantage of a pandemic sweeping through a city and so I don't know that this even though I'm sure there are some parts that aren't plausible I think that violence in times of uh, emergency are not off base so yeah. that seems a little uh, awkwardly critical when it shouldn't be 
Well, the last thing I'll say is, um, you know, like a lot of the criticism was about like often when you have these games, people critique the race of the enemy types, right? Um, for mm-hmm. this one, every single enemy type that I've seen has their face covered up with like, um, you know, like scarves and stuff because it's freezing cold outside. And I'm like, well, I haven't been able to, you know, like determine the race of anyone that I'm shooting, you know, like uh, they all have like a Brooklyn Yankees accent, you know. <laughs> and then somebody pointed out, well, if after you kill someone, you go and hover right over their body and you zoom down on it, a lot of them have this kind of, um, you know, Hispanic skin tone. And I can like, okay, yeah, you can kind of see that. But I mean, it's not like Resident Evil 5 where every single person you're killing is black, you know, like it's 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 handling it in a way that I, you know, granted, I'm white and there's privilege involved with that. But I mean, it just it doesn't seem fair to me personally. So yeah. I guess this is the risk whenever you're doing like a realistic a, a game in a realistic setting like this. Where, you know, I mean, we we joke about Georgia and orcs, but at the end of the day, nobody's going to complain about, you know, slaughtering a million orcs because they're orcs and they're not people. But I guess once you have a game that revolves around, you know, killing a lot of enemies and all those enemies are human, you're going to run into those types of those types of criticisms, whether they be fair or otherwise. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unconscious bias um, or conscious bias uh, is typically a uh like a gut reaction really it's a it's a mental reaction but it's an immediate mental reaction and so if you're the person who's not taking the time after you kill someone to go down and look very closely and turn your head to the left and lift your right foot and spin around three times to see what the person's race is like if if you're just going through and you're destroying enemies and they're covered with these cloths then you don't even have time to process the fact that they might be some specific race so that's seems a little like that seems a little awkwardly critical too because i could understand if again everybody was uncovered and they all were uh in theory hispanic or or african-american or what have you but those types of of uh biases are like built around instant recognition and um you know almost instinct based in in our psychology and so i don't know i don't think that anyone's like adding to uh those unconscious biases biases by uh you know by having all of these characters covered up with cloths i guess is yep. what i'm saying I, I it would take time set. again to to actually see it all right then we will we will wrap this up this is a short show because next week is you know destined to be an extravaganza isometric 100 yeah so georgia is right now roaming the streets of canada looking for her wii u so that we will let her back on the show and yeah. uh, we will hopefully she will have succeeded in her quest in her quest by then. But, uh, so in the meantime, uh, you can go and, uh, you can find the show notes for this show and every show at relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can, uh, leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, that still helps us out. And, and when we do launch the new show as of next week, that's going to help us out a ton on the new show as well. So please, uh, get your reviewing fingers ready for that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you can also, uh, call in a voice, a voice message, uh, either a question or if you want to wish us a happy 100th or whatever it happens to be. Uh, we do have a new number because we're having some problems with the old number. So the new number is 508-418-3532. So call that. If you left us a message and we haven't played it, 
Uh, call that in again because we may have lost some along the way. So uh, we weren't ignoring you. We just had some technical problems with the phone. We're just inept. We're just not very good. We're not ignoring. But I can tell you, if you send us a funny voicemail that's short and pithy, uh, there's pretty much 100% chance we'll use it on the show. So, yeah, there we go. And the greeting actually reminds you to be pithy. So make sure you're pithy. Yep. And, <laughs> and uh, so – you could also uh, send those in as either emails or you can send them as a voice attachment to feedback at isometricshow.com. As always, part of the amazing Relay FM network where we've started feuds with pretty much every podcast on the network, including <laughs> including yeah. Rocket yeah. and Material and everyone else. And you can find us – I'm really us- angry at everyone on Rocket. Yeah. I think I think Uh-oh. everyone on Rocket, especially that Brianna Wu person, just has no yeah. talent and she's going down <laughs> – I, I would kind of love to see a Brianna Brianna feud. That would be kind of epic, actually. Oh, that would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll work on that. Uh, and you can find and you can uh, find all of us on Twitter. Uh, the show's account is at Isometric Show. I am at Wicked Good and Bree. Where can people find you? At Georgia underscore Dow. Just look for me right there. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, guys, please look, you know, like Steve and I could probably like, you know, shell out enough money to get Georgia Wii U. But, you know, if you'll all like shove in 10 bucks, like this will be a great send off and we'll be able to play this game with her. And, you know, I give Georgia a lot of crap. And to be honest, I probably owe her a Wii U. (laughs) (laughs) My nonsense for so many shows. Like she's dealt with me for a hundred shows. That's, that's not easy. Like that's uh, yeah, it was very impressive. Did you actually say your Twitter handle, or you just said George's? Oh, mine is Space Cat Gal. But you know that. Yeah, you know it, that. If you by oh, now, I've got you to have say to this. Oh, hold on. This is so stunning, guys. So last night, I put out a tweet on my account. This is gonna blow your mind. And I'm like, who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? And amazingly, 11 percent of the people that presumably follow me on Twitter, a great deal of them, are voting for Donald Trump. What the frack is wrong with you? What the frack? How can you, like, vote for Trump and follow Brown Blue? That just doesn't make sense. Maybe they hate follow. It's like every time you say something, they just go... Maybe they're all those people who were Bernie Sanders supporters who have decided that if he doesn't win the nomination, that they're just going to vote for Trump. That Maybe that's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that might be the worst type of person. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Please to, don't do that. Need, yeah, please don't. Please don't, don't be that guy. Right. And and Michael, yeah. where should people find you? Well, I do want to say really quickly before I answer your question, Steve. Um, I know this would be the mindset that I have about uh, calling in. Like if I had called in before, I would be you know embarrassed or feel awkward to call in again. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel awkward. If you've called before, it's totally okay. You've given everybody else enough time to call in. Please call in with more questions or thoughts or stories or what have you, as long as they're pithy, because we want to hear from you. Um, we appreciate all the calls that we've had in the past, and I would not mind hearing from all of those listeners again so yeah. just keep that in mind it's okay if you know oh, oh i've called in once now I, I can't no you can you can please do i'm talking to you i know you're shaking your head no but i'm talking to you uh and you can find me at micah sergeant where i'll be retweeting george's campaign gofundme campaign to buy <laughs> a wii u so uh thank you as always for listening and isometric workers transform and roll out Quick, 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 quick,